Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Before we begin, just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this. We really do appreciate your support. We record the podcast every Monday and if you do enjoy it, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James, and the Six Nations is upon us this weekend. And to, to mark that, we're joined by a very special guest. Uh, let me get the title absolutely spot on. It's Northern Hemisphere Editor for the 15, Owen Jones. Am I, am I right with that? that that's, that's about right. You can chuck in the galaxy or the Nostradamus <laughs> or whatever you want, really. I'm just sitting here in a, in, in a room in Hertfordshire, if I'm honest with you. But um, hey, it sounds good. Sounds good. Indeed it does. Uh, how you doing, Owen? Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking I need a haircut, but obviously having seen your Brian Blessed type uh, beard, I, I'm not feeling so bad. But yeah, like everybody, feeling a little bit unkempt. Um, but hey, I, I'll, I'll live with it. All good. Yeah, feeling a lot better after seeing me, probably. But um, <laughs> no, I suppose no, the reason no. we're doing this podcast is because the Six Nations, as I mentioned before, is upon us. Although it doesn't really feel like it, does it? No, it, it doesn't because the fans make it. You know, those generations upon generations of fans will book up in the Dublins, the Edinburgh's, you know, around London, you know, that, that, that's not happening this year. So it's going to be very strange. Uh, and like we have had to do for the last 10 months, we're just going to have to make uh, the best of it. Um, you know, some journalists are lucky enough to be at the stadiums and again that's a, a very foreign experience you know you're not allowed to kind of get close to the players we've seen the videos now haven't we i think coming out of england yesterday the amount of precautions uh in order to just get this tournament played is remarkable so i think yeah we'll be looking back on this uh, scratching our heads hopefully <laughs> but yeah hey we, we, we can't stop it and we're glad we've got a tournament Exactly. At least, at least rugby is happening in some shape or form. Which you know, I mean, even even the last couple of weeks without European rugby has been a bit of a, a kick in the teeth, hasn't it? It sort of makes you realise what you, you missed in the last. Well, yeah, weeks. I, I think the the problem is like everything. You you do not know where you're whether you're coming or going from week to week because one moment you're told there's breakouts, the next you know I think earlier this week was or a few days ago. Premiership rugby said there were, there were zero cases that they'd obviously had their break. I think you know it is very much two steps forward, one step back, and you know we it is going to be you know seats of your pants stuff. I think for the next seven weeks, I guess no, no, no more so than than Wales. You look at England; they've got a smaller squad, but they're all confined to that. Ireland's the same. Wales it's it's a larger squad, but a fair number of them are travelling between club and country. Yeah, I mean that's 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 not ideal. Um, <laughs> thanks for throwing me that hospital pass early on. <laughs> you know, I think Pat Lamb was uh, pretty much kind of saying, you know, we pay these boys good money, and you're going to have to pay up. And you know, as we've seen with Will Rodens coming, Will Griff John come back to the Scarlets. You know, there are uh, a couple of boys who you would have thought have either been told by Wayne Pivat that they are very much in the thoughts for France 2023, or indeed have such a desperation to play for Wales that they just want to be closer to the action. You know, whether the likes of, as you say, Johan Lloyd is going to be sitting outside for this window, but not for too long. And Louis Summit, they're very, very young. But for the kind of guys, 
you get to that middle stage of their career, really think France 2023 could be their only real chance. They are being kind of, dare I say, sucked back over the the, the Seven Bridge. Uh, and you would have thought conversations had gone on uh, in the background, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose the, it's probably, in that regard, it's, it's probably similar to what Wales went through in the autumn. They, they probably know all the protocols with the bubble. But the one thing that's different for Wales from the autumn is where they're playing the games. They're back in they're back in Cardiff. They're back in the Principality Stadium. There's there's obviously no fans, but there is a roof. Um, so the, those those debates are back. And I just I just guess in general it's just going to be totally different for Wales, isn't it? Being back in Cardiff rather than Italy. Yeah, when I was down for the the Six Nations game against Scotland, which was a uh, you know sitting next to your esteemed colleague Matt South, going, it was <laughs> very, very very cold. The wind was blowing off a. Was coming off the, the, the sea there, and it was not uh, a pleasant experience. I think for the players or the journalists sitting there, you know, think at the principality, very familiar surroundings. We talk about kind of changing rooms, you know, the, the faces on show. You know, there'll be a lot of familiarity, but there's no doubt that you know, not having seventy four and a half thousand, you know, predominantly Welsh fans going crazy, you know, is going to hurt Wales. I mean, look, every coach will say that, but, you know, Wales, you know, the old cliche is they're given 10 points um, by being able to have that vociferous crowd behind them. Uh, that's going to be tough. And I think we've also probably talked about kind of players on the field building an atmosphere, haven't they? <laughs> when they're shouting and hollering and, you know, sometimes uh, letting go of a few profanities, it's it, they're really trying to build up some energy. And I think that's, that must be really tough. I think, you know, when we look back, one thing I would say is that, my Lord, I think don't think players will ever regret having fans in the stadium ever again. They are going to be really, really appreciative of, of having fans back in there because they make such a difference. Yeah. And that, was, that seemed to be well, not the one thing that Wales struggled with in the autumn because there was probably more than one thing, but it was one of the areas where it felt that they didn't do as well as other teams. You remember Scotland came down to Nestle and they they basically hollered themselves to victory at times, didn't they? Wales, it, it felt like they they struggled to create that atmosphere for themselves. Yeah, yeah, they did. And I don't again, I don't know the reasons for that, but they were really, really noisy. You think of, you know, what were some of the kind of scenes from Braveheart? Well, that's what the kind of <laughs> Scottish bench were recreated uh, down in Parky Scarlets. Uh, that day, clearly they, they just about edged it. I think it was 14-10, but, you know, and again, look, we, we know the size of the Prince Fight Stadium. To, to create some noise in a stadium of that size is going to be even harder. So whether the Welsh have been ingenious and come up with any any tricks, I think we'll see uh, on the weekend if they've come up with any kind of, uh, kind of made-up little devices that uh, allowed them to kind of make it, make it feel more like home, I guess. Um, so it is, it is going to be difficult, but you know, you know, Wayne for Wayne Pivak, you know, they can, and, and Alan Wynne Jones and all the senior players, they, they can't hide behind that. No one can say, well, oh well, we didn't have a crowd, you know, so so we lost the game. I think you know that the, the Welsh senior players they wouldn't look for that excuse, um, albeit us journalists can and can discuss it, can't we? Absolutely. Um, I guess let's let's get on to to solely Wales then. Um, a tricky first year, if ever there was one, for Wayne Pivak. Um, no, no one said following in Warren Gatland's footsteps were going to be easier, less so when the world is thrown into complete and utter crisis four games into your reign. Uh, how, how do you assess 
the the job on his hands coming into his second Six Nations campaign. Yeah, well, I was I went to his, the, the the first press conference he had before the Barbars game, and it was very relaxed. He was very composed, articulate. He was, was pretty warm. I don't think he had, kind of has that kind of thousand yard death stare that uh, Warren Gatland and Sean Edwards could perfect. You know, he's 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 a lot more affable you know, outwardly um, to the media. But it, it's been really tough for him. Um, you know, I said, I think his hair was greying. I think he's even, he's more silver fox than he, than he was maybe <laughs> kind of 15 months ago. Uh, it's just been such a truncated uh, business uh, trying to build up this this point of difference. And, and I think, you know, one of my favourite phrases is that we're all winners in the hindsight Olympics. You know, we all saw the criticism Warren Gatland got for his kind of physical, you know, round the corner, round the corner, and until you, you'd really kind of blasted a, a, the opposition into submission, wasn't it, really? Using their kind of big power-packed wings and centres, the Jane Roberts, the Alex Cuthberts, obviously the North, who's still around. You know, So there were so many people saying, Wales need to find that romanticism. Wales need to refine that, you know, what the Scarlets did in 2017 and you know, a lot of these people who are lauding Warren Gatland, you know, suddenly kind of um, pop, popped in and come back in different clothes and are, and are berating him, really, for, for not <laughs> kind of uh, winning. So it's, it's, it's a really difficult balance for Wayne Payback. And I'm sure I've seen earlier this week that they the did strike a more pragmatic tone. And look, we're going to talk about, I guess, selection, but with Dan Lydiat being picked is that, you know, Wales can, can't be seen to be a, a soft touch. They've got to get their set piece uh, right. And I think, dare I say it, that back to basics may be in order for Wales now uh, in the Six Nations. Yeah, I think for me, that's the buzzword, isn't it? Compromise for me. I think I've just, <laughs> without, without self-promoting too much, I've just filed about 1,500 words on, on that very subject, um, which you can probably read on Wales Online at some point this week. <laughs> Um, but very, very good. Yeah, I'm learning, learning from the best. Um, but, you know, you think, you, you mentioned then when Wayne Pivak got the Scarlets playing at their best. People forget that Warren Gatland tried to replicate that on the international stage. The 2018 Six Nations was largely Gatland trying to play the the, the Scarlets way and they, they hammered Scotland, then got humbled by England and then they had a tough time out in Dublin and, and Gatland largely thought, well, that doesn't work at test level for the team I've got and dropped it and completely forgot about it for the rest of his reign. So I think now we're probably starting to see that maybe Pivak's learning that lesson the hard way. Um, yeah, yeah. As you mentioned, he, he, it does feel like there's a different tone, you know, the Ken Owens quotes and Pivak quotes. It, it feels like they've they've recognised some of the lessons they need to learn. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, it's very easy to kind of slice it a million different ways, isn't it, about selection but but there's such a so much experience in that squad am i thinking about the squad that they could pick it could have over eight players over 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 30 you know this could be the final hurrah for that magnificent 2008 under 20 side you know they had dan big and lee halfpenny and jonathan davis you know you know they, you know obviously reese webb uh, hasn't quite made it for the, for this squad but it is an old squad, and I, and they you know the best sides usually do have a little bit of a of a mix, and you know I think you know Dan Lydia I think he was worth his place in the squad. He's been 
excellent for 18 months. Uh, he's just what Wales need. You know, the island back row is like to have Peter Romani and CJ Standen are both over 30. It will be a bit like two aging boy bands going, going at it. <laughs> you know, seeing Caelan Doris has, 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 has pulled out. So I think it was the right selection. Whether you'd see uh, Dan Lydia in 12 months in a Six Nations squad, that's very much debatable. But it's, he's picking, Wayne Pivek's picking for the now, isn't you know, We know Jim Botham and Shane Lewis Hughes were uh, annoyed that they were left out of the squad and they've, they've come out firing. That's what, what he would have wanted, wasn't it? He didn't want, wouldn't yeah. want them stalking. He's, he'd want them showing that they, they should be in that squad. That's exactly the right sort of attitude they've shown. But yeah, go, going back to the kind of previous point that I'm not sure if it worries me that it's such an aging squad. You know, it didn't mention kind of Alan Wynne Jones and Ken Owens who are 35 and 34. But I just, yeah, you, you, you worry that a kind of younger, more sprightly side could, could, could run Wales off their feet if they haven't got their conditioning right. Yeah, and I, I suppose I know. I think Rory Best has spoken about Ireland sort of changing their ways, and he says the best way to change your ways is to get the senior boys buying in. But also, when you've got such an aging squad, you know, so many players over thirty who have spent ten plus years with Warren Gatland, it's very hard then to change change habits, isn't it? Massively, and I think you know if you've kind of taken the long run and looked at how things were going to pan out in the rugby calendar. And again, we can speculate this, but there are a lot of Welsh players there, you know, great, you know, a couple of one, you know, three Grand Slams who would have thought potentially this could be our final hurrah. The, the Lions tour was supposed to be going out in, in garlands, you know, being lauded for you know, being <laughs> one of the greatest Welsh, you know, squads or, or players ever. But it just, it hasn't transpired and it's just you know, just risks that this, the Welsh side, you know, looking leggy is, uh, and I don't know if I subscribe also to the, to the whole, you know, building for the World Cup in, you know, what is it, 20, you know, 30, 30 months time. There's, there is plenty of time. If, you know, you can look at South Africa and Razzie Erasmus, they were in absolute free fourth and they lost 38 feet to Ireland, you know, 15 months later or whatever it is. And they, and they've won the, the World Cup. So yeah, I mean, I think he's got it right, Ben. I don't know what you think about the squad and whether it's there's too much vintage and not enough kind of young. Um, it's I, I, on the whole, I'm, I'm fairly happy with the squad. Um, you know, you, you you sort of look at the, the the obvious names who missed out and you sort of assess them. Shane Lewis Hughes, I guess you, you could make an argument for him ahead of Lydia on on sort of the basis that both of them are, are both very good, but Lewis Hughes is younger. But then I saw Sam Warburton speaking in the Times the other day and basically saying that, you know, from his point of view, having been in Wales camp as a coach, they knew that the person they were missing was was someone who could hit people. And for them, the best at doing that is Dan Lydia. And, you know, as, as worrying as it is that Sam Warburton can now add in the <laughs> extra sort of strength his bow of speaking from a coach's point of view as well as being a very good pundit on his own right um, it's clear to see that they see Dan Liddy as being someone who's going to start games so I guess him getting the nod over Lewis Hughes makes sense uh, James Botham again tough to miss out but Tipperick's always going to start Navidi uh deserves his, his squad place despite the, the lack of games because he, he genuinely brings you something that I don't think any other uh, back row in Wales does and 
McLeod, clearly Pivak wants to look at him. Um, whether this is the time, that's debatable. And then, you know, in the backs, who's missed out? Obviously, Johan Lloyd is someone I know we think very highly of, but I, I reckon he's best served playing 10 for Bristol for the next few weeks. So I, I worry if he was in a Six Nation squad, he'd just be largely holding tackle bags. So I think him getting regular minutes at 10 for Bristol is going to do him the world of good. And then if there is a summer tour, if we're, <laughs> if that if that happens, if they go to Argentina in the summer, you know, you could potentially see him play 15 or 10 on that tour. So um, on the whole, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. The, the squad, I think there are still some issues that remain. I think centre still doesn't fill me with too much comment. What's, what's your thoughts on centre? I mean, it feels like Johnny Williams is very much the man moving forward at 12, but 13, there's, there's probably more doubt there than there's ever been. Yeah, I mean, Johnny Williams just looked the man of born against England. I think everybody just thought to themselves, he's got every physical asset. You know, 6'3", 16 stone 2, those long levers, seems to have a little bit more to him. He's just not a bashing crash merchant. You know, really fronted up. Uh, it really kind of, like any game against England where you kind of show up is going to put you on the map, isn't it? And that's something that I think Owen Watkin has struggled. We all know he's a talented player. He's very, very understated. I just don't think Owen Watkin as yet has had that real wow taking the game by the scruff of his neck. You know, I mean, he's still, he's still young. Was he tw- 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 24? So, and, you know, with, with, with you know, Jonathan Davis, he'll be his... He is his own harshest critic. I've interviewed him on several occasions. That that is somebody who will never kind of, you know, he's, you don't see him kind of walking around like Conor McGregor do. You know, John Davis is a very humble sort of fellow. And he'll, he'll know that he'll, it takes him time to hit his straps. I remember speaking to him, I think it was in kind of 2016, you know, nine months before the 2000 Lion, 2017 Lions tour when he was player of the season. And he wouldn't put himself out there and say, I want to be in that, that Lions squad. He, he, he had just come back from another injury and was saying, I need to play myself into form. They, they, they say there's these types of players who just have been out for nine months and suddenly back. I don't, Jonathan Davis doesn't seem to be that sort of fellow. He needs to be able to play himself back in. But again, another cliche. You know, that old credit in the bank, isn't it? And the kind of leadership that he, that he brings. Um, but, you know, he'll know that he's, he, he's being watched and, I think the, the issue, isn't it, is who do you replace him with at 13? And indeed, will we see a little bit more of George North at 13 if they want to see Josh Adams and Louis Rees-Samet? Um, I don't, you know, we're not sure if, if Nick Tompkins can kind of continue with what he started in the 2020. So, yeah, it, it is got a, there are a few um, conundrums, you know, I think with Ireland, you know, Ringrose and Henshaw, um, I'm not sure if he's back. You know, Aki, they, they seem to be very subtle, but for Wales, a few question marks, aren't there? Yeah. Uh, the North one's an interesting one because I, I think I saw someone suggest that earlier in the week and it was something that I hadn't even considered. And and, and on paper, it, it sort of makes sense because North's playing really well and it allows you to get Josh Adams and Reece Samet. But I, I'm not sure they'll, they'll do it simply because I don't think moving George North into centre improves his game. And I think now that he's playing so well, I don't think you want to upset the balance of, of North playing really well on the wing. So I think they'll possibly sort of stay away from that. Nick, Nick Tompkins is an interesting one, isn't it? It feels like 
they sort of lost him a little bit in terms of what they want him to do. You know, he came through last year, broke onto the scene, looked a really exciting 13. I think they thought he could play 12. I think they saw his long-term future as being 12 and I think they probably bulked him up a little bit. And now it feels like he's sort of stuck between the two positions. And it's, it's almost a bit hard to see where he sort of goes from this. The time being. Yeah, it's really tricky. You've got to remember, you know, he was playing at the best side in Europe. Exactly, yeah. No respect to the, to the Dragons. He's not playing at that level. You know, he's added a couple of kgs, being maybe moved around position-wise. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's almost like he's he's seeking direction. He's still young. I think he's 25, so he's still got a lot of time where he can develop his game. And we do know that at some point, Jonathan Davis, he's had four serious injuries, you know, since he broke through at 18. And to come back every time, you know, you've got to kind of, you know, bow down to his kind of yeah. restorative powers for, do, for doing that. But there will be a time where he will no longer be in the equation. And, you know, he's got a, he's got a lovely delivery off both hands, Nick Tompkins. You know, again, if you can get that right fighting weight for him, he has got that, you know, turn of speed. He's got a you know, good leg drive. I mean, he's got some really nice qualities that you, you you don't want to give up on just yet do you yeah it almost feels like Wales have tried to tame him a bit too much and probably the the the, the most exciting thing about him in the Six Nations was he was just basically a bundle of energy wasn't he like I mean that, that France game I think the last person to carry that many times in a Wales game was Scott Quinnell about 15 years before yeah he, he just, just looked everywhere like, yeah he looked like he was having the time of his life um, and again, he's, dare I say, he's lost a little bit of the sparkle. Um, but I think I think he's, he, there's enough that we've seen from him that would suggest that you know handled correctly and you know with a little bit of confidence that you know he's not worth discarding uh, in any way, shape, or form. I think you know just one other. You know, obviously, Ireland. I think it's just such a. I mean, God, the amount of times I've been to a press conference and they've said the first game is in you know is pivotal for the side and the momentum. You know, we've heard it all before, but. My lord, that Ireland game, we don't know if yet if there's going to be a Lions tour this summer. That's another uh, Pandora's box. But, you know, that's, you know, real, you know, every position will be scrutinised. Warren Gatlin's going to be looking, isn't he? Uh, and I think if Wales are blown away by Ireland, there's going to be a pretty small Welsh Lions contingent. And I think what can also look at is how amazingly well you know, Warren Gatlin did for the years where the regions really weren't that strong against the Irish compatriots to really make them competitive. And, you know, I've read some copy from some of the Irish journalists now, and they said, you know, they're feeling very, very confident. You know, the fact that the Ospreys were kind of celebrating a, um, well, a very narrow win over Connacht away from home, the fact that, you know, Leinster blew away a scarlet side, you know, usually kind of Wales' stronger side, you just think, how did Gatton do it for so long? On paper, Wales should be getting nowhere near Ireland on the weekend, should they? But yeah, I'd be interested to see how Ireland approach this because, you know, you know, Wales are trying to change the game plan and, and you know, Pivak moving on from Gatlin, but you also got Andy Fowle trying to evolve the regimented style of play that you had under Joe Schmidt. And what was noticeable last year was... Ireland, you know, they're trying to play a more attractive style of, of wider rugby. But when they come up against Wales, it's almost like 
they just realize, oh, actually, we, we can still go back to doing what we used to do and bully this Wales team. And I'd be interested to see how they do that. Like, it doesn't work against England. They, they try that against England. They get bullied themselves. But against Wales, and I think O'Gara spoke about it this week, they, they barely need parity up front. And it looks like they're going to bully us. So how Ireland approach it and how Wales overcome that, to me, is fascinating this weekend. It was, it was just, you know, it was hugely sobering. I think it was 32-9, wasn't it, in the nation, Nations Cup from memory. But, you know, Wales are just so far off the pace there. The set piece, you know, line out, what, what wasn't running. You know, James Lowe was causing a little bit of havoc and had a smile on his face. They just, it's almost like Wales didn't lay a punch on them. You know, they tried to come out hard, didn't they? That first 10 minutes, you know, Liam Williams was getting amongst it. But really, there was... They were kind of shown up. And as we've just discussed, you know, they're so superior domestically, they can just go in with a lot of confidence. Um, there's, there's always the, the, the concerns, you know, Johnny Sexton, you know, like Alan Wynne-Jones, he's, he's they're very similar ages. And, you know, is he fit? Isn't he fit? You know, what, what's going to happen there? You know, will, will Billy Burns kind of be playing? Uh, they usually kind of turn these these kind of old gunslingers usually kind of get named on the team sheet, whatever, whatever happens. Uh, you know, the, the Connor Murrays, I think this uh, Craig Casey's coming through a monster, hugely exciting. Um, but yeah, you look at it on paper uh, and it's still a, an extremely um, decent squad. You know, so you saw Tyke Furlong popping up the other day, how pleased Welsh fans were to see him. Old um, jukebox turning old 20 stone of him. Um, but Andrew Porter's done a, a superb job in there. James Ryan looks like a partner waiting for Marotoji. Yeah. Um, you know, at lock. You know, wherever you look, they look like they do have quality um, for me. Um, you know, Jordan Lama gives a little bit of X factor. Peter Amani, one of the most competitive rugby animals ever to ever to live. Um, I and I and I think. Funnily enough, uh, I think it was from your uh, esteemed uh, publication that I saw that a lot of the Irish press or those involved in rugby kind of firing a few broadsides at Wales, whether that's going to blow up in their face or not. But I, you know, it's rare that the Irish in the last decade have come with such confidence. You know, that they really do expect to beat Wales. And, and again, there's been nothing in the last 12, 14 months that's suggested that Wales can go in with, with, with you know, feeling that they've got the, 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 the number on um, Ireland. It's because they, they feel confident about this game, but I wouldn't say that the Irish are massively confident about the Six Nations as a whole, which I guess tells you sort of maybe where Wales sit at the minute in terms of the pecking order. Yeah, they, they've been absolutely monstered, haven't they, by England, uh, Ireland. I think it's three times. They've just been physically blown off the park in some of the most kind of muscular, brutish passages of play I've seen in, in recent years. And, and clearly they went over to, to Paris uh, for that kind of uh, remaining Six Nations game and, and, and DuPont and, and Tamak kind of, you know, really just got their va-va-voom, didn't they? And, and, and showed, showed Ireland were kind of, dare I say, <laughs> middle to middle top of the table or middle top of the of the Six Nations table, weren't they? And not quite at that level that they needed to be. And I think that's what really frustrates the Irish fans and media is that Ireland are, dare I say, almost flat track bullies to a 
to a certain limit. But when they meet generally England, but you know, maybe France are going to get to that level, they can't you know, get through that barrier. And look, we only have to mention uh, World Cups and, and, and Irish fans come out into hives when you mention quarterfinal. <laughs> they just can't seem to, to push past that. And I think this tells you, and again, I've you know, speak to quite a few Irish rugby journalists are a little bit longer in the tooth and they, they just say in the 80s and the 90s, you know, it's just generally how many are we going to lose by. The expectations in the last kind of, you know, 10, 15 years have just moved, you know, they've won, what they? I think, it's, is it three Grand Slams compared to Wales' 12, yeah. isn't it? What was it, 48, 2009, 2018? You know, they, they've had almost halcyon uh, kind of decade um, in rugby. And then again, with that, comes expectation so yeah they 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 they, they're teetering between being a very good side and that that dreaded transition side team aren't they yeah um i guess then we'll we'll, we'll finish just how do you see the the tournament unfolding as a whole it's hard to look beyond the top two being england and france isn't it yeah yes it is i think you know france are going to really miss roman and and tamak and vermi vakatawa who are both kind of missing through injury. Uh, Damien Penot is back and he's a superstar. Him and Teddy Thomas, you know, you pay uh, the price of admission if you're allowed to go as a fan <laughs> to just watch those those two guys. You know, Antoine Dupont is is, is rid- ridiculous. You know, Greg Aldrin, but it looks, you know, I read a very interesting piece again in the Times uh, this morning uh, with Rafa Ibanez, uh, who was really just saying that they went to Nice down on the, on the south coast of France and they, they reset and it reminded me of uh, New Zealand resetting after 2007 World, World Cup. Um, I think it's that James Kerr book, isn't it? Is that they really did kind of say, we, we've reached a certain you know, depth and we've got to start, start again. And I, that, that resonated with me as there were kind of reminders of what, what New Zealand, when they, they reset. So I, it's really whether they can cope with expectation. Because 12 months ago, France came in. I think there are, you know, about 15 members of the squad with less than 10 caps. It was yeah. the average 10 caps uh, in, in all from the players. And now they're, they're, they are a known quantity. So can they, can they back it up is the big one. But yeah, I think England are the team to beat. Uh, they play this brutish kind of muscular uh, rugby. And I think, you know, they've, Called in the likes of Ollie Lawrence and Paolo Adogwu, you really to almost maybe give them a little bit of X factor. Max Malins, you know, maybe could look, you could say, looks a more natural fullback than Elliot Daly. So, you know, essentially what Eddie Jones, he's really recognised that while they've got the platform, you know, against Wales, you know, in Wales, people were burying their head in their hands thinking Wales are going to be in for the biggest shellicking yeah. in a decade. But England, although they dominated, just couldn't put Wales away that effectively um so i think that's what you know eddie jones is in a very good place and he can lose the likes of underhill launch free you know joe marlon yet bring in players of almost the kind of same quality so yeah those two um to top and i think whoever wins out of wales and ireland will probably finish third um but yeah, um, I don't want to mention that with the Scots, we don't know. Ben, we don't want kind of any raging Scots. <laughs> you know, they, they, they got the monkey off their back, didn't they, in Clinetley. And uh, if Wales don't beat Ireland, uh, you know, Wales got to Scotland and lose. You know, Wayne Perfect is, is going to be feeling the pressure. You, you, you can't, can't deny that. Yeah, and I suppose 
you know, four, four years ago, Warren Gatlin sort of made the point that the reason the Scots didn't travel to, to uh, New Zealand was because of their poor form away from home. There's no fans this time. So in, in terms of the Scots' travels in this tournament, that's probably less of a monkey on their back. Well, yeah, he said they're going down to uh, to Twickenham, where which is routinely a kind of graveyard, isn't it, for Scots? I'm trying to think when they when they last. It's it's not about thirty years, and this since they won. Well, actually, uh, in Twickenham, won won for the kind of. Remind me of the top. It's, it's a long time. I'm sure it's a lot. Uh, obviously, they they went up in Murrayfield fairly recently, but and uh, yeah, I think it was thirty-five all, wasn't it? Uh, in thirty-eight that, all last time, wasn't it? Yeah, thirty-eight all, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. Um, but anyway, it, it's not usually a happy hunting ground for them. Um, yeah, you can't see them coming away with much um, on the weekend if if you if you're kind of neutral minded. That's a rugby fan. So, so where do we see Wales finishing? Is it middle middle of the pack? I think yeah, middle of the pack. Uh, um, I think most uh, the, the the smart money would be on fourth. Um, I think again that that game against Ireland. I think if they if Wales can Beat Ireland, I really do think um, that belief, confidence, you know, they need to kind of show that cohesion. You know, absolute long shot, Dan Lydia prepare the tournament to follow up <laughs> in 2012 if the bodies hanging together. But, you know, who knows what could happen if they can beat, beat Ireland. Um, it, it, it could be a profitable tournament. I think, I don't know about you, I think Wayne Pivak would like to win three games uh, whether two is enough for the kind of um, the kind of vultures to kind of steer away, I don't, I don't know. But um, what do you think? That was going to be my follow-up question. Funny yeah, enough. Uh, you know, I think it's the, the uncomfortable question, is it? Would, would fourth be enough with this? I'd, I've never heard a break clause mentioned so much in the space of a calendar year. Um, mm. So it'd be interesting to see. You know, it, I think a lot of people think it's make or break. For Pivak, I mean, he's unless something drastic happened, he's not going before the break clause, is he? No, no, unless, not with not with not with the union, sort no, of no. financially where they are. No, you'd have to have the kind of bath-like implosion against Bristol for people to be really caught. You know, there, there, there are certain games you watch to think, oh my lord. <laughs> so you know, football cliche lost the changing room, <laughs> but that was horrific. Yeah, you'd have to have a serious. Something. I think just the, the big thing for, for Wayne Pivak, you know, if he can get through the Six Nations intact, is just how he evolves that squad towards 2012-2023 with, 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 with so many um, ageing players and just when he phases them out. You know, has he now phased Reese Webb out? You know, the, the, my jaw dropped when he kind of said, he, you know, he, a lack of pace in his passing, which are fairly two fundamentals to a, a scrum half's game, aren't they? You know, is there? Are we going to? Is this the last Six Nations for Lee Half Benny, for Ken Owens, for Alan Wynne Jones, for Jonathan Davis? It, it, it could well be. Yeah, and again, I think in the um, you know when we look back on it, we, you know they'll be, go down as absolute legends, and um, they'll be able to write columns in papers <laughs> saying how the new lot of rubbish, uh, like like the, uh, the, the the gents from the seventies there, won't they? But um, yeah, very interesting. As ever, man. Absolutely, as, as is their right. Uh, <laughs> right, I think that is all we got time for. I'm, I'm very wary of your, your laptop. 
and it, and it's alien battery. So um, it's it's been a pleasure having you on, and uh, here's looking forward to it. To hopefully a, a good Six Nations. Yeah, no worries, Ben. Keep up the beard. Beard is awesome. <laughs> we'll try. <laughs>